calling all aspiring investment professionals. Get a leg up on the competition. Final registration for the August CFA exam ends on May 14th. Register now to secure your spot. The CFA designation is a gold standard in the investment world, opening doors to high-powered careers and impressive salaries. Head over to cfainstitute.org to register. Don't wait. Take control of your finance career today. Hello, I'm Steve Horan, Head of Private Wealth Management at CFA Institute, and we're here in Richmond on Tuesday, March 8th at our 2011 Wealth Management Conference. I'm joined here today by Lisa Gray, who's speaking to our delegates today about family dynamics and the importance of incorporating it into wealth management. Lisa is founder and managing partner of Gray Matters Strategies, a consultancy firm to high net worth investors and their advisors on issues of family dynamics and intergenerational wealth management. She's the author of two books and a regular contributor to the Journal of Wealth Management. Lisa, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here. You know, um, advisors, particularly CFA charter holders, oftentimes um, get bogged down in the technical issues of managing portfolios and are really focused on the assets of a family's wealth. Um, but how important is it for them to really incorporate family dynamics into their processes? Well, I view it as essential. Um, you know, in our research, Steve, we have found that generational perspectives set up the dynamics of interaction between family members. And there's so much that goes on before the client actually gets into the advisor's office that if the advisor is not clued in on what's happening on this side of the equation, they're really operating in the dark. It's like being in a strange city with no GPS system and uh, trying to find your way. So it's really uh, a precursor, prerequisite in some sense to actually get down to the business of managing the wealth itself. Can, can you give an example of, of how that might be a barrier? Um, absolutely. You know, families are complex systems, number one. So, you know, the typical scenarios the family will walk into the uh, advisor's office and they're kind of have these expectations of what's going that conversation is going to be about. It's going to be financial. They're going to ask about my goals, my risk tolerance. So they kind of have this idea of what they're going to say before that happens. And the advisor's coming in and saying, okay, I'm going to get this great new relationship and more assets and all of these things. And when they leave the family dynamics part out, a lot of times the advisor may not even be talking to the right person. They may not be talking to the right decision maker. Uh, because families quite often may send family members out to interview advisors. So I've seen time after time advisors speak with someone thinking that they are the client and even come back with a proposal and go through, you know, two or three meetings, come to find out this is not the decision maker at all. So it's kind of interesting to think about how that could happen, but it really does. So that's one issue. And the other thing is uh, advisors are not really aware of maybe all the roles that family members are playing. This is the biggest thing, I think, because there are influences on those decisions that happen outside of that office. And if you are not aware of the influences that, you know, happen on the decisions that you're hoping these clients are going to make to do business with you and have the opportunity to serve them, then you're really, you know, missing the mark. 
um, in two perspectives. Number one, you may not get that relationship. And the other thing is, if you get the relationship, you're really not going to be aware of all the factors that are working behind. So it's going to affect your service level to the client. Digging into these issues uh, seems to be a fairly time-intensive endeavor. And some advisors may be reluctant to commit a lot of time to it because they're busy doing other things. Um, how would you respond to their reluctance? Well, having been an advisor myself, I certainly can understand that issue. Um, the beautiful thing about working with families today, though, is that so many things that we used to do for families, you know, advisors used to be the gatekeepers for, for families and as individuals. And uh, the beautiful thing today is we have technology that has commoditized most of that. Amazingly, uh, almost the entire consulting process that used to be set out, you know, when the separate, separately managed account um, phenomenon came to be is now completely automated. So that frees advisors to have more time to really develop the relationships with their clients. And clients demand that today. Clients are looking for that. They're having difficulty finding it at the level that they really need. And so we've seen a lot of attrition. Uh, we've seen a lot of clients trying to do it themselves. And they really need the guidance of an advisor who cares. And so if an advisor will take a little bit of time uh, to at least learn the basics. And then it makes perfect sense to partner with a third-party professional who's an expert in this area. And to have a partnership in serving that client together is a wonderful, very strong, three-pronged type of relationship. Um, you know, behavioral finance is another phenomenon that's come uh, to bear in the last few years. And so that's a little bit complicated, too. So. To me, if advisors can find time to incorporate behavior finance um, in their practice, they certainly can stretch a little bit to get the basics of the family dynamics, especially when it's so important uh, in that relationship. The sort of the classically trained investment professional may think that they need to be, become a psychologist in order to incorporate <laughs> some of these issues into their practice. Uh, how would you respond to that? You know, it's funny, Steve. I get asked this question every time I do a presentation on this topic. And um, let's think about this just a little bit. Let's think about the nature of the capital markets. Is there any psychological element in the capital markets at all? And you're smiling, so I know your answer to that. Uh, you know, if you're doing technical analysis, you're looking at sentiment factors. Uh, you know, the, the judgment of value of a security in the marketplace is a psychological thing. You can have the same fact uh, against a positive market backdrop or against a negative market backdrop same exact thing be said and totally different reaction of the stock value. So it's a matter of perception. Um, you know, I find that especially, in, let's look at behavioral finance too. That's totally psychologically based. So we've been operating in a psychological world our entire careers and haven't even thought about it. So it's certainly not a stretch to ask advisors to incorporate these types of things into their practice. So in your view, if we sort of think about the many things that an advisor does, some of which might be considered technically oriented, some of which more soft skill oriented, um, what would you see as sort of the ideal breakdown between those two sets of activities in percentage terms? That's an interesting question. Um, I'd like to add a little bit to that and, and add some prioritization. Um, you know, advisors today have, have a tendency to come in and talk about their firms and their credentials, and I really would like to flip that scenario completely because the client wouldn't be in your office if they didn't know you had credentials and you weren't an expert at what you did. So that's a given. So let's talk about these issues first. Let's 
be interested in the client's perspective of what they want you to do for them. How do they define success? How do they um, view your services? What are they expecting from you? And to me, that should take up a pretty good amount of, of time on the front end. Um, I would say anywhere from 40 to 60 percent, depending on how inclined the advisor is to be wanting, you know, to get into these deeper issues. Then getting into the technical, if you can view the technical skills as a support mechanism for serving that client and satisfying those goals, and also set up a system where you benchmark not only performance against the indexes, but also benchmark uh, your services against helping the client achieve those goals, it's, it's a really great mix. And it's something clients are having difficulty finding today, so it's a great way to distinguish yourself as well. Lisa, thanks for spending some time with us and talking about family dynamics in the advisory process. I enjoyed it immensely, Steve. Thank you for having me. And thank you for joining us. To browse our catalog of other multimedia products, visit us on the web at cfawebcasts.org. Copyright 2011, CFA Institute. No part may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, electronic, mechanical, recording, or otherwise, without the express prior written permission of CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.